I'm Baratunde Thurston, and this is Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe. This is the podcast that explores how DNA is changing our lives and the world around us. Today, we're delving deep into that all-important topic, identity. I've always been like kind of like on the island of misfit toys, you know, and then if I find out that I actually have like a toy home, you know, <laughs> that'd be weird. And we have an amazing duo of guests to help chart our course. First off is the celebrated bassist, songwriter, and author, Pete Wentz. And joining him is independent academic Dr. Robert Green. In addition to teaching genetics at Harvard Medical School, Dr. Green is the director of the G2P Research Program at Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Broad Institute. Now, today's show is going to be a cliffhanger of sorts because Pete's interested in finding out all about himself and his genetic makeup. We're going to have him spit. That is, take the DNA test. And then in part two of the show, we'll check back in with Pete right after he gets his results to hear what he's learned. So gear up for some revelations, some realizations, and some fun. We are going to talk about genetics again through the story of discovering things about ourselves and about health. And I want to start with you, Pete. You have a fascinating background. We've all read Wikipedia and understand Mm -hmm. some about you. But I'd love to know, first of all, why are you interested in learning about yourself from a genetic perspective? Like, what are you doing this for? Well, I mean, I think that it's interesting to know where you've come from. I think particularly I I have three kids, so I think that that's, you know, you want to pass that information along in the form of either story or medical or whatever, you know, like, but I think that for me being like a bit of like what I would call like a mutt kind of, you know, is like, it's pretty interesting. Cause like, you know, my three kids all have really light eyes. It's just an interesting, you know, like I think the genetics are a really wild, interesting thing. Obviously I, I know some stories, but they're, you know, stories. So yeah. it's like hard. They're not scientific, you know? So it's interesting. In the stories that you've been told, did they call you a mutt or did you come up with that term for yourself? Like, no, 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 no. I, you know, I'm just not a purebred. I'm just not. You yeah. Know? So like, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, no one's, I don't think anyone's called me a mutt. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. No, but I mean, it's just the suburbs that I grew up in and stuff. I just didn't, I didn't look like anybody. I just didn't feel like I looked like anybody kind yeah. of, you know, I just looked like my brother and sister kind of. So that didn't like inform a ton of my personality I don't think maybe it did I don't know but like I think it would be interesting to know since we have more of the technology to be able to do it like why would you not find out yeah it doesn't need to be like a scary thing or super interesting thing like you don't have to be like have royal blood or something like that. I mean it would all be nice I guess <laughs> Robert what do you find in terms of people's reasons for even being curious and asking this question Pete is just he's interested he sounds really open-minded there's nothing He's afraid of, it sounds like, but what are you seeing in terms of the, the folks you work with and the studies you've done? Yeah, a lot of people are interested in their ancestry and their background, and a lot of people are interested in the health aspects. Yeah. And the people who are interested in the health aspects are interested because they want to do something with it, they want to inform their children, they want to inform themselves, they want to be empowered by the notion that they can learn something about the probability of getting an illness in the future. And when you talk about and think about your kids, are there any particular concerns or things that excite you about what you might be able to share with them, you know, through a process like this? I mean, there's just like blind spots where my family has described where we've come from. I don't really think I have specific like medical concerns. I'm interested in finding out about it, but I don't have, there's nothing like that is discussed in my family or, you know, or common issues that have come up, you know, or whatever, but I'm still interested in, finding that out. I did my own genetic test and I also had a lot of blind spots in my family story. I grew up just with my mother. I didn't have access to my father's 
side or stories of that. And I got really excited about the um, sort of trait and wellness sections of the results because it said I had high probability of like the musculature of a competitive uh, elite athlete. And I was like, okay, science says I'm an elite athlete. That's great. Like I want to run with that. I know you used to play soccer. Are you like hoping for maybe there's a genetic support for your talent in the sport? <laughs> I can tell you that there is not. I not need a genetic <laughs> test to see that one, to find that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's an inherent thing that like where there's a probability of something. You're like, well, it says I should be Michael Jordan, but I'm not Michael Jordan. So like how do I like resolve that discrepancy? You right. know what I mean? Like it's like probably could be weird, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and Pete, that's a great point about genetic testing in general, that people are learning from this, that it's not super deterministic, that just because you have a probability of having a talent or just because you have a probability of having disease does not mean you're definitely going to get it. And that's sort of one of the psychological changes that these services are promoting throughout the whole society. Here's what you probably could get, yeah. but you probably won't get it. <laughs> and so I'm like, so should I be worried? You know, on the trait side, it's like, well, I don't look like that. So am I wrong <laughs> or is the science wrong? Right. It said I'm li- likely have like straighter hair and not very thick hair. I have super thick woolly hair. So who's wrong here? Or is that a probability thing? Like, like Robert, help me understand that. It's like Danny that. DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like twins, In fact, you I know use I mean? a slide of those guys standing beside each other and twins as You just got to find your Arnold, you know? <laughs> Wow, that's it. We have to find our arm. <laughs> find your inner I want to t- title this episode. That. But that's exactly right. You know, neither our citizenry nor our doctors think very well about probability. Hmm. So we tend to simplify. And if it's a probability, we say it should be that. But of course, a probability means just a probability. Yeah. And that's the change in genetics that's happening over the last decade or two, is that we're moving from thinking about genetics in terms of you will get this disease with a mutation to oh, you have a slightly higher or a slightly lower probability (coughs) of getting something. You know, you talked about the blind spots that you have had, but, Pete, are there things that are well within the light that you know about your health history or your family history in general in terms of the the parts that make up this multi-color, multi-ethnic spectrum that that you've brought to the table? Are there things that I'm sure of? Yeah, yeah. Like, what what did you know? Well, I don't know that, like, how sure you can be of any of it because people create stories to either cover things up or create stories when you don't have the information, you know, and then those stories kind of like become facts as they get passed along. My maternal grandpa was second generation Jamaican American. His parents came here. Okay. But he has like light blue eyes. There's like these stories of Portuguese Jews that like, I don't know, but I'm like, I don't know. It was like so... That sounds like such a story you would make up because you have light eyes or something. I don't know. You yeah. know, I don't know. I'm not really sure. And like Jamaica is maybe the only place that's as big of a kind of melting pot as the United States of America. So like, who knows? People were, it was like a, a port. People were coming from everywhere, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I don't really know, but it's, it'd be interesting to find out. Or it's not interesting. Like, it's like, I feel like everybody goes into these tests well, that I know who are going into them, who are going into them without saying that they're going into it for a medical reason. Everyone's like, we've got Native American and, you know, because like, everybody wants to be more like have a texture and be more like no one wants to be like just plain, plain, plain you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No one, I mean, <laughs> Robert raises his hand. Yeah. It's probably the, the, that. the one area where people think that they don't want to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, the tests are what they come back. And then like, I feel like every time 
I've seen one. I always see like point something percent sub-Saharan African for everybody. I don't know. Like, I guess it's just like the cradle or some of it's interesting. And some of it's maybe like we're a lot more similar than we are probably that different, honestly. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the sort of most uplifting messages about genetics is how much we share in common between each other and how little is divided among us. I want to focus on what you said, Pete, about what you know may not be a fact. It could just be a story. And it could be covering for something that we didn't know or creating something because we knew the opposite. For sure. And in science and in what we understand about genetics, can you talk about, Robert, how there's also stories there that we get attached to that may not necessarily be factual? Sure. You know, the... There has been a story in genetics that came from the very first discoveries that were made that if you have a certain mutation or change in your DNA, you're going to get that disease. And that's true for a few diseases, and that kind of became our mental story. And it got backed up by all these cop shows where, you know, if you find the DNA in the field, it definitely identifies the killer. I'm glad we finally were able to blame Hollywood. Yes. Thank you for doing that. I will keep doing that. (laughs) Because genetics isn't that way. Mm. Most of genetics uh, that we've really discovered has been probabilistic. If you have this particular marker or this set of markers, you're at a increased risk, sometimes a very small increased risk for heart disease or cancer or something else. So one of the confusing aspects of this is that there will be markers like the BRCA markers in some direct-to-consumer genetic tests that do put you at a dramatically increased risk. And then there's lots of other markers that simply give you a little bit of probabilistic information. One of my concerns is that we're getting this information. We learn that we have this higher chance of something horrible or just something interesting, but, you know, off of the plain path. But there are also other determinants, right? Because if genetics alone aren't our destiny, what about the air quality? What about our diet? What about how much we go to soul cycle, right? And so how are we supposed to balance what we have control over versus, you know, what we were born with? Again, a very small proportion of people are going to have some kind of mutation that really dramatically increases their chances. But for most of us, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, they're way more dependent on your lifestyle. They're way more dependent on your weight, your exercise, whether or not you smoke or not, things right. like that. How's your lifestyle? Um, I, I, you know, I have a certain assumption about your, your world in t- terms of the lifestyle that's really, really unhealthy, but maybe <laughs> yours is healthy. Well, I have uh, three kids, so I don't sleep ever. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think that like the rock and roll excess lifestyle, this generation of musicians, at least we saw, we were like raised watching behind the music. You're just like, oh, well, that's how that one ends, you know, whatever. I don't know. We just, we were never really like that band, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't think my lifestyle is like, I, w- I worked out before I came here today, you know? I mean, I don't, nice. I don't think it's, like, it's actually a requirement. Anyone who does this show, you have to exercise before you come into the studio. I don't smoke. I drink. I don't do drugs. Sounds good. Yeah. So he's in the clear? In the clear. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Probably. This episode, probably, with Pete and Dr. Green. You're probably all right. So when you get your direct-to-consumer genetic testing, it's probably not going to show you anything extremely scary. How How do you think about, Pete, sharing these results in terms of how it changes your story within your family, for those you came from and for those you've helped create, or how it affects, you know, what you put out into the world in terms of authorship, music, lyrics, et cetera. I think it's really good as far as like sharing with 
my kids and my family. I, I don't know about, you know, sharing what you share with the world. I think that, like it or not, people, like, alter the way they think when they have preconceived ideas. You know, it's a just it's an interesting thing, I think, that's really specific to somebody who just kind of doesn't really fit in anywhere. That, like, the minute you put out where you do fit in, I guess, when you find that out, then people are like, oh, I had it pegged right the whole time, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas when you're just like, well, I've never been really a part of any community, you know, it's like a little weird to like think that you might be a part of one or something, Mm, you know, like I've always been like kind of like on the island of misfit toys, you know, and then if I find out that I actually have like a toy home, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that'd be weird, I guess. Pete's toy home. Yeah. 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 You might be adopted by some other communities. Yeah. Yeah. When when you, uh, Doc, are thinking about people sharing their information. You know, the idea of privacy and control over our genetic information is a hot topic. It feels like it's complicated. What are some of the outlines and contours of that decision? Yeah, yeah. It's a huge area uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. We have a study going on now where we're sequencing newborn babies. And when we approach the parents in the hospital of newborn babies and say, hey, would you want your infant sequenced? About 80 or 90 percent of them say no, and the biggest reason they say no is concerns about privacy yeah. and discrimination for those babies because we just don't have it down yet to protect those babies or any of us from intrusion, from hacking, from possibility of discrimination. So it's a big issue. It needs to be solved. Um, having said that, I think that genetics is just growing faster and better, and I do believe that eventually the benefits are going to outweigh these concerns for many people. So I'm bullish on genetics, but it's a huge, it's a huge and realistic concern. Kind of sucks that people would discriminate against babies. It would, didn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. All babies, all babies are kind of great. They are. There's, I've, I mean, I've met maybe three I didn't like, but that's out of hundreds. <laughs> like it's a really low ratio. Most babies are great. That's You've met my three children. <laughs> It's and, all kind of like a yeah, movie Gattaca, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. A little bit. Very much know? so. Because the one guy, like, has none of the right stuff, but, like, just has something inside of him that just drives him to, like, swim across right. the lake or My whatever My secret is, is right? that I never saved anything for swimming back. Exactly. Yeah. Which is great. That's, like, such a good line. I love that yeah. line. Yeah, so clearly he did have the right stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the test didn't yeah. reveal it. Is there an example, Pete, from, not from the genetic side, but what I read about you, and I'd love you to correct me if I'm wrong, is that you chose music in part because it felt like more of a challenge, you know, in your younger years versus some of the sports and other activities you were doing. First of all, can you fact check me? Is that sure? Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of true. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's like a, a feeling, so it's hard to be like really factual. But I sitting here right now, I can say that I felt it felt true. And how would you describe your persistence in music? Like you've been in this industry, I think, longer than average. You've evolved through it. You've done a bunch of other things, but you still making music right well i mean i think that it's anyone when you find something that you're passionate about that goes beyond hobbyist you know because there's plenty of i have like a zillion hobbies you know whatever but there's something that like you're actually like people are like oh they refer to it as like your career or whatever you know like the way i think that at least i'm set up as a human is like i'm like well this is the path that i'm on and i can bend this path around different ways and stuff but i'm on like a basic kind of path yeah so i think that that's probably what what it's been and i think as far as like the longevity is like this is so not part of a genetic test or whatever right, but it's yeah. like the people that i've you know surrounded myself with who are like really helpful and good support network and help me keep me accountable but inspire me that kind of thing you know how would you describe what you're up to in music right now versus what you might have been doing 10 20 years ago 
10, 20 years ago, like if someone was like, you know, music will be in like this cloud or whatever, you know, it's just like this mystical thing, you know, so it's just pe- the way people consume music is so different. You know, like my nine year old listens to songs, listen to Lil Uzi and then listen to like a Queen song. And then like, it's like people can curate their own lives now, you know? And so I think music is more important than it has ever been, you know, because to borrow an idea that my friend Evan said, like no one goes like, you know, I'm feeling the saddest I've ever felt. Let me like open an app right now, you know, or whatever. Like everybody listens to music. You can set your your watch to different things you've done in your life and the way songs have made you feel. Right. And in the '90s, you're listening to like Wu Tang or whatever, you know, like whatever it is, They're like, like musical markers. And yeah, the same for way sure. There's a genetic marker. And and like for sure, you like go back and like listen to a lot of that music, and some of it doesn't hold up, and some of it does. And so I think it's it's just how people take in music and how people take in entertainment now is just very different than it was when we started. And it's kind of interesting to be a band who was part of the tail end of like this other version of it, you know, and then was at the start of the new version of it. And I think the chasm has never been wider between artists. There's these, all these artists that like, if you only kind of pay attention to mainstream culture, you probably don't really know about them, but they're like massive, you know what I mean? And they're like, just under the surface and i think that people like listen to them and interact with them in ways that people probably aren't really paying attention to well you know there's a kind of a parallel hope it's not too much of a stretch in science and in the genetics world because many people see what we're talking about today direct to consumer genetics the democratization of certain markers as the gateway to a whole new world of biohacking of evolving ourselves People compare this to the electronic revolution. And in the same way that we couldn't imagine carrying around all this music from the cloud in our pockets, people are talking about how everything we do will be interacting with our biology, with our genetics, with our other omics, our proteomics, our transcriptomics, our metabolomics, our microbiomics. And this kind of big data, big biology future is perhaps presaged in some ways by what you were describing. Upload your consciousness. Right? <laughs> Just like you upload your consciousness. I was reading about that the other day. Wild. <laughs> yeah. Very wild. Wild. Yeah, no, I, I thank you for seeing that connection. I don't think it's a big stretch at all. I think what we saw happen with music was an early marker of what we're seeing happen to everything else, from finance to personal health. The same way that I'm discovering new music because of my pattern of interaction with the music I've known, I may discover new parts of myself through genetics because of my pattern of interaction, you know, with the environment around me over time. I, the idea of a personal genetics playlist just occurred to me. Pete, you're going to think this has nothing to do with genetics. How have the stories of you that you grew up with, that you've learned, influenced the music you've been making? I'm not sure that, like, particular stories have influenced it, but I do think that it's a weird thing where, like, when you feel like you're not really, like, part of a tribe, it makes it easier for you to set your own course, I think, you know, in some ways. Like, I remember reading the Gladwell book where he talks about like the people who are the near misses. Uh, so like when the bombings happened in London, uh, I'm talking in World War II. Oh, the Blitz. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Blitz. That the people that were blown up, obviously they had one path. And then the people who were 
far away from the bombings were completely terrified. But the people that were like the near misses were fortified. And because of that, they like were like, no, we're staying here. And it does something. And I think that maybe not just feeling like you're a part of a thing, like it just makes it so your destiny in your head can be whatever it is. And if you fail, it doesn't really matter because you weren't, you just never had something. You really weren't supposed to be an investment bank or whatever. Yeah, there was, you know, so like it, for me personally, it set me up in a way where I was like impervious to all this because yeah, like you said, there wasn't like an expectation. Like, I don't feel like I like look like anybody else or feel like anybody else. I think that for a lot of people, that's like really sad and but like for me at least and I think for my brother and sister like oh that's cool well I can just like start my own community and I can find my own friends and it's like the inception of who you are or something you know like not having the stories or not having the community kind of like lets you create whatever it is yeah and I also want to live forever (laughs) (laughs) don't we all Pete you've mentioned that you have three children you're obviously Mm -hmm. very musically talented are you starting to see any musical talent in your children I think I see some interest in the way things work you know and the inner workings and everyone wants to like open up the clock and look at the inside of the clock and the way that it works uh i come from like a family that's philadelphia lawyers so it's like all litigation it's again like the thing that we talked about is like you can't let what your potential be determined by what you theoretically could become as a parent i don't want my kids to feel like they have big shoes to fill i don't want my kids to feel like they need to be driven to the point of feeling like they're broken in order to succeed, you yeah, know? Yeah. I don't know. I just think you see, it's like a little bit early, but I think at some point you see like what, where somebody's naturally headed and you try to like magnify that probably. But I don't know. I don't see like, like my nine-year-old takes piano lessons and stuff like that. And he's, like I said, he's interested in the inner workings and why songs are pop songs and like what's different about this song than that song. That's kind of where we're at, I think. So I have a follow-up question for you. You sound like a great dad. Oh, man. Will you be my dad? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to take. I mean, what's the difference between three and four, really? You know? <laughs> I can just like slide right into that family. That's great. You know, on the scientific and genetic front, do we know anything about proficiency in certain activities, sports, music through, through genetics? Almost all of these personality traits and talent based things yeah. are definitely have genetic foundations, but they are probably due to so many genetic markers that are so complex that you won't be able to measure them, if ever, for a long, long time. So that's one of the areas I think we have to be careful. There are kind of bottom feeder companies that are already out there saying, uh, we can predict whether your child's going to be a sprinter. We can predict whether your child's going to be a a musician. And we should be cautious about those. And can you, like, you can, like, uh, you could, like, spin up one of those babies, yeah? (laughs) No, I mean, I'm totally serious. So I have two boys, and my third is a girl. And her doctor was like, you know, prepare for a boy. You know, I've definitely heard people talk about that you can like spin what you wanted, spin it up in like a lab or something, right? You can. There are reproductive technologies to pick a boy or a girl. Yeah, they're isn't that wild. Upon. Yeah, they're fun to fun. We didn't do it because I feel like you, <laughs> if you end up and then the person has like some spe- special difficulties in life, you're like, did I create those yeah. difficulties for that person? And we're going to face that, and genetics is going to play a role in that as we anticipate all these markers and then you can pick embryos that particularly carry the markers that you want but again we're just going to have to admit to the complexity of some of these traits intelligence personality musical ability athletic ability health risks health risks are mostly multifactorial Mm -hmm. and they're very heavily dependent on the context you live and 
the parenting you get. So I would say being a good parent is way more important than your genes in most of these. And could you imagine like you spin up like a Serena Williams and then the person's like not good at tennis? Like how crazy would <laughs> yeah. that be for the, you know, like I would be yeah. imagine that would be insane. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. They're going to be disappointments. Yeah. <laughs> <They're>... <laughs> right? I mean, like it's got to happen. It, yeah, it right. probably will. It probably will. I'm yeah. so glad. I thank you for validating that. I think everybody in the room, I felt like, gave me a look when I said you could spin up a, you know, the thing. But I've, I've seriously been told that. And I gave you that look because I'm like, it's, it sounds horrible. <laughs> and I, so I am cool. sure it's technically possible. <laughs> and I think there's some areas of the world with different ethical bounds yeah. where it's happening. Oh, no. So it's going to be a new challenge, unfortunately. Well, and we're on the but, cusp of being able to edit genes. Right. And when we get there, and you've got these embryos in front of you, and you can go in and edit which ones you want to do. Photoshop for babies. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. How does it not go sideways and become like eugenics or something? How does it not yeah. go that direction? Yeah, great question. No easy answers, man. I think we just got to keep ourselves tethered to the truth, even as we think these expansive ideas yeah. and enjoy this new expansive space. There's a lot of marketing going on. There's a lot of corporations pushing this, but there's also some correctives. Even our government, which is not usually seen as sort of cutting edge, has initiated this project called All of Us, yeah. which is going to enroll a million Americans, very diverse backgrounds, including people who do not have a lot of money. And they're going to offer them information about themselves, yeah. including genetic information about themselves. So there's some correctives in place, I think, that are pretty exciting that will balance the marketing efforts that go forward as well. And in terms of how we keep it to the positive route on the GPS as opposed mm. to the like Gattaca <laughs> the eugenics type route, I think staying involved and invested in that conversation is a part of it. There's this balance that I feel about determinism versus probability versus freedom. And, and it's not necessarily even versus. It's, it's an inclusion of all those things. And so, Pete, the absence of some story for you was liberating. Mm -hmm. And you could forge your own path and set your own GPS. You also may discover that you're a part of communities you didn't even know yet. And hopefully that's enhancing for you and, and not threatening. And I think, you know, for the wider field of genomics and personal genomics, we want that balance. We want to belong more than ever to a group, to a tribe. We also don't need to feel bound and determined by what those probably results tell us and that we can still set our own course. I want to thank both of you for highlighting what's possible and not necessarily deterministic out of this. I'd like to thank Pete Wentz for being here. It's been a real pleasure having you on Spit. Thanks, Ben. And Dr. Robert Green, thank you very much for all your contributions. Appreciate it. It was great. So a few weeks ago, I sat in this room with Pete Wentz of entrepreneurial rock star fame, and he hadn't yet done his genetic test. Uh, in the weeks since, he did, in fact, spit. And we got on the phone with him to talk about what his results were, what surprised him, what contradicted his experience or expectations, and what he took away from the whole thing. Take a listen. I want to first say, welcome back uh, to the show. Welcome back to Spit. Thanks. When last our heroes met, you were about to do what the show title is. You were about to spit to be able to get your test results. Yes. Can you talk to me first about taking the test? What was the process? Were you able to generate the required saliva? Did you drop the vial? Like, t t tell me about that part. Oh, yeah, man. It's, just, it's a lot more spit, I think, than people think. 
or would realize. But it was pretty simple. Kid is very self-explanatory, so it's just pretty easy to do. I think it's one of those ones that's very hard to screw up. Good. Well, congratulations on passing stage one. <laughs> and when you when you first logged in and started seeing results, what's the first thing you saw? I think the first thing I saw was under like ancestry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like kind of like a pretty mixed bag, you know? It was a lot more mixed than I expected, I guess. I don't know. You, you had spoken uh, when, when last we met, you talked about not being part of a tribe. Yes. And that was sort of part of the way you grew up. Yes. And there was some strength in that. Did you find out that you're a part of any tribes or communities that you didn't know about or that you suspected but were confirmed? Not really. I mean, like, uh, were there any Portuguese Jews? Were there any Portuguese Jews <laughs> in your results? I don't results? think so. I think that the interesting thing, that, and this is probably the nature of the world history, is that probably due to the fact that, like, so many people were in forced migration or just, my, you know, like, whatever, it's like, I think when you find the European side of you, you're like, oh, yeah, that's, like, my, you know, old country or whatever but i had a lot of on my mom's side people from the caribbean and from jamaica it made me realize that there's probably not a ton of people that are like from jamaica you know like people are coming there from other places or there's like a lot of like nigerian and iberian and east african and stuff and it's so hard to like really piece it together you know what i mean because it's like yeah i don't know like when was the last time like someone from my family was in like nigeria you know what i mean like i mean i I wish it was probably sooner than it actually was. No, no, that makes sense. I mean, you described Jamaica. You reminded us that it's like a port. Yeah. Um, You know, it served as a port. And so in some ways, it sounds like it was a genetic port as well. Totally. From a genetic perspective. Totally. It's hard to be from Jamaica. Totally. Uh, And that's kind of a way station for for genes from from other parts of the world. Yeah, like it didn't come back like Jamaican. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And on the characteristic side or on any of the trait stuff, I mean, I, I remember in my results finding out it said that I was going to be less likely to be able to match a musical pitch, which I was like, first of all, you're wrong. I have perfect tonal recall. I'm amazing. <laughs> but I'm curious for you, did anything stand out from your trait? Oh, for sure. On a results that you're, you're willing to share. It's interesting because like, like you were saying, there's some stuff... And I'm like, ah, spot on. And there's some stuff where I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I got one back that said less likely to consume caffeine. And I was like, oh my God, I drink so much coffee. I was like, I don't know where. Like, it's right. very interesting. Of all that you looked through in your results, what stood out the most? What was the most interesting? Whether it was surprising or not, whether it confirmed an expectation or not. Totally. You're like, oh, that's that's notable. Tell me about that. Yeah, totally. Um. The thing that I was expected was like I've you know like I've always felt a little bit like a a big mix or mud or something and I really there was a, like a lot of like maybe this is for everybody so I haven't seen anybody else's test results obviously um, so I don't know but there was a lot of like four percent this four you know four percent Ghana you know something like that like I was just like oh my god like it's interesting and I I I got a feeling and maybe it's not like going to be like all obviously like sub-Saharan African people but like that we're all pretty much a big mix. I mean, maybe not we're all, but a lot of us are probably like kind of a mix, you know, because you, people have, you know, the world, we live in a very global place. And like, there was something peaceful about that where I was like, you know, your neighbor probably has a mix and his is maybe more like European, but I'm sure it's a big blend as well, you know, and there was something that like was reassuring to me about that a little bit, you know, like there's something that like felt like maybe that's like one of the like solutions for our world is that like, I mean, we're all really different, so we're all really different than each other, but in a weird way that makes us all kind of similar because we're all so different, you know, and that, like, 
I don't know that I need to find somebody who has, like, I don't know how I'm going to find somebody who has the exact mix, a similar mix as me, even like my siblings or something. So like, maybe you don't need somebody who like looks like you and feels like you. Maybe you find people who would just like increase your happiness or like make the world feel like it's a little bit smaller for you. And that's good enough. I don't know. It's kind of cheesy, but like I actually I love that. I felt that. Yeah, I actually kind of did feel it. Um, thank you for sharing that. I, I feel it through the phone line from you. <laughs> the, the idea that what we have in common is our difference is is a beautiful concept and one that science may help us find more common uh, than not. So thank you again, Pete. Thanks, dude. Uh, good luck with whatever's next in your life. I appreciate the extra time. All right, have a great one, man. Want to dig in more on today's topics and guests? Check our show notes. And if you enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend, all your friends, and be sure to leave a review. If you want to hear more surprising stories about how we're all related, search and follow Spit on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Spit is an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe. I'm Baratunde Thurston. You can find out more about me at baratunde.com or sign up for my text messages. Just Hit me up at 202-902-7949. Put hashtag spit podcast in your message so I know where you came from.